Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, today's episode 40. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, episode 40, man, we're working our way up. I know, Josh. It's been a a week of uh, mixed reaction for me because I'm going to take it a little bit personal here. Um, uh, a hero of Josh and ours died this week, Dr. R.C. Sproul. So it was a very sad week from that standpoint. Um, but last night I went to see the new Star Wars, and it was fantastic. So really loved that. Um, and then I looked up this morning and saw we're episode 40, and it's just hard to believe. I mean, on some level, when you do a show, a show like this every week, I don't think we've missed but I don't think we've been weeks, Josh, since we started. Um, you know, one it, week, Ryan. We one week. Okay. Miss, miss one week. Okay, miss one week. I, th- I thought we might have, but I couldn't remember. So um, one week, um, you know, it, it feels like on some level we just started the show yesterday. And then on the other level, it feels like we've been doing it for a long time. And I was telling someone the, the other day, you know, we're, we're coming up on a year now. And it's just kind of hard to believe when you sit back and, and you look through all that, you know. Yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty incredible, man. Just looking at we started this 40, 40, 41 weeks ago. Um, it seems to me like we've just been doing it for you know just a couple of months. You know, uh, this doesn't seem time's been flying this year, and with the market ups and downs, it's just been a uh, fast paced. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it has, and you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me is. Um, so this is, I host, as most listeners know, a handful of podcasts. And I will say about this audience base, um, each show has its own audience base. And, and I love the the audience members. But this show, and this is part of the reason we did this. This is Texas Oil and Gas. You know, we're, we're here to talk about Texas. Obviously, that impacts some other things that we have to get into. But we try to keep it about Texas. And because of that, I've been able to meet a lot of the folks who listen to I say a lot, um, several of the folks who listen to the show and have enjoyed talking with them, dialoguing with them. And uh you know, it's just it's just a good community here in the great state of Texas, and so um, have really been thrilled about this show. We look at behind the scenes with our numbers and some of the stuff that you know we can't talk about online, Josh, but um, some of the stuff's going on. It's really exciting, and so um, you know, um, as we go into the holiday season, we told the listeners we're going to continue to work through the holiday season. So we will be here next week. We have on Sergio Ciampa next week, and we are going to um, talk about who was the best, biggest, you know, kind of however you want to phrase it, number one top producer for the Eagle for Shale. So if you're curious about that, that will be next week. And then we will have a wrap-up show. I think, was it the 29th? Is that the last Friday? Whatever the last Friday is, Josh and I will have a wrap-up show for the year. And then guess what? We'll be right back around January 8th. The only Friday we might miss is when Josh has his baby, and that will depend on when the baby comes, how the baby mama are doing, and all that stuff. And so we'll work around uh, Josh's schedule, obviously, um, you know, for, for that week, depending on what all happens there. But, you know, it's um, just grinding every day, Josh. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm really enjoying the show and really excited about what we have coming up in the new year. Yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to some of the questions we've gotten, Ryan. We've gotten some great questions. We're going to have to do some, uh, some digging, some research, and try to – Give some really good answers. That I believe that starts next month as well. Yeah, that's the eighth. Assuming that the I know your I know the baby due date is kind of early to mid January. So assuming that the, just the listener standpoint, assuming that that all works out, um, the eighth will be the first question. 
um, Q&A. So if you have questions, please send them in. The ones we've gotten are really hard. We'd like some easier ones. And so we need we need some more questions because, I mean, some of these questions we're getting in, they are just really good, as Josh said. And so we're going to do a lot, some research to kind of get in there and answer them. But we do appreciate them. Please send them in. Ryan at GlobalEnergyMeet.com. We could use more um you know, um, that, that we have, uh, we, we don't have enough. And, and one of the reasons is because, you know, you have people sending in questions and sometimes two people might send in basically the same question. Um, and so the more questions we have, it does a couple things. First off, it, it lets us know, okay, hey, people care about this topic and we didn't know about this. So we need to bring on guests or look at stories to talk about, you know, um, this, this type of topic. The other thing is, um, if you start to see a trend with, you know, three or four people ask the same question, well, obviously, as we go to answer these questions, we, we understand that we need to answer maybe this question um, in front of another question. And sometimes that, you know, from what Josh and I might want to answer, we might want to answer question four, but we see that we get the same question from three or four listeners. Okay, well, we need to answer this one um, sooner rather than later. So that's how we get feedback. So Ryan at GlobalEnergyMedia.com is where you can do that. Before we go any further, though, Josh, I want to thank our sponsor, and that is the folks over at EKT Interactive. They have um, some courses over there, Josh, and they partner up to sponsor this podcast and to help our listeners get it. If you're in the oil and gas business, I know some of you are. I know some of you aren't. This might be something you want to look at. It's the Oil 101 course at EKT Interactive. If you go to globalenergymedia.com slash oil 101, you can get there. You can check it out. They have a 10-part module that takes you from, you know, kind of you know, starting at the very beginning, all the way through the process of oil and gas to, to where it goes from you know, from the ground to the marketplace, and you might find that enjoyable. Also, as it gets close to Christmas time, we would have you know, if you want to give Josh and I a Christmas gift, a rating and review in iTunes is the perfect way to do that. A five star rating with a nice little written review talking about how much you love Josh and I would be great. Um, that really helps the show out in more ways than you might imagine. And um, again, final call for questions. I say final call for this episode, at least. Be sure to send those right at globalenergymedia.com. We're getting more in. We, we'd love to have more. The more we have, the better we can make that show and the better we can make other shows because once we understand better of what you guys are interested in, it helps us understand how to steer the ship. And finally, Josh, we can't disclose it fully yet. Um, we can't disclose it fully yet, but Josh Shelton has been... Um, uh, would you say it's promoted, Josh? Would you? I don't know how you would describe it. Promoted. Um, we, there's been some moves inside the global energy media organization, and so Josh Shelton will be having a new role starting in January, and so we're excited about that. We will hope to give you guys um, more information. Unfortunately, Josh, we did not tell you this. It does not come with a pay raise. So there's <laughs> <laughs> there's that. So I hope you're excited, but it's uh, more responsibility. And, and not a single penny more of pay. Well, I look forward to the uh, the pay raise in the future. How about that? Yeah, I wouldn't get my hopes up too. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get my hopes up too high, Josh. I, I think you just. Yeah, may, may. Um, we'll talk about that later. All right, sounds good, Ryan. Well, we have a special guest coming on in just a little bit, Ryan. Uh, Trent Jacobs with uh, Darcy Partners. Uh, before we do that, though, we wanted to to jump into. Uh, some of the mergers and acquisitions. We had a few things that come up this week, as you can expect. Uh, during this time of the year, there's not a not a lot going on, uh, not a whole lot of deals being made. But uh, we did a little digging, and there were a few uh, mergers and acquisitions and some purchases in the Texas area that we wanted to mention. Chisholm, uh, Fort Worth startup, it expanded its holdings in the Permian. They're buying from Resource Rock 
resource rock exploration. Uh, it's an undisclosed amount of acreage, uh, but it is a Fort Worth company that is making some moves. So you might want to check them out. Uh, maybe some opportunities coming available there. Um, Carrizo Oil and Gas is selling 24,500 net acres in the Eagleford to EP Energy Corp for $245 million. Uh, so EP Energy Corp is buying some Eagleford acreage. Uh, so there may be some inter- interesting things there to follow up on. Phillips 66 is a Houston-based company. They're teaming up with a company from Canada uh, called Enbridge. They're building a large Texas oil pipeline. Uh, so it's a Houston-based company. They are teaming up with a company from Canada. But they're going to be doing work in Texas. So I, I, it would seem that Phillips 66 is going to be the one with the feet on the ground, making the hires and moves and uh, getting things done. So um, some cool stuff they're doing there. And then uh, the last one was the biggest one. Oasis Petroleum is buying 20,300 net acres in the Permian for $946 million. Um, and if I recall, I believe this is the biggest deal we've seen in the Permian since March of this year. Uh, so it looks like the Oasis is gearing up for a pretty big 2018. They're, they're probably making this move with the intention of capitalizing on these uh, on, on the oil prices and, and uh, these OPEC cuts. They're probably going to try to get it get it while it's hot. Yeah, who can blame them? You know, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, we've said before, the first half, the, I think we had a show titled The Early Outlook um, for the Oil Industry Looks Good. You know, so the first half of 2018, it looks really good, Josh. Everyone's excited. You know, so long term is the question. And, 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 you know, that's kind of a, a cheap way of saying it. But obviously, um, that is the question. But I think the first half of 18, I think it's going to be, you know, we're going to be busy on this show talking about what's, um, yeah, what's going on? Because there's going to be a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. Well, Ryan, you know, we usually finish things off with a look at the rig count. Uh, drilling info is not up today. It's not functioning for one reason or another. So we weren't able to get the active rig count for you. Um, but I'm sure we'll we'll get that we'll get that fixed uh, next week and and get that back in in the plug. Yep, just sent them a message on Twitter, so hopefully they'll get on it and get it fixed. I um, real quick on Drilling Info, you know they've got a lot of stuff going on there. Um, they've had a lot of acquisitions lately, and we interviewed Alan Gilmore on um, Energy Week last week, and so um, had a lot of stuff to say. We talked about the Balkan, the Eagle for just kind of a, a wide swath of topics, the part with the Permian, and uh, a lot of interesting takeaways there. Alan's a very smart guy, and he's got a very powerful company behind him, which helps him, you know, be able to. You take a smart person that has a lot of tools that they're uh, uh, in, in their tool chest, so to speak. It, you know, it really helps, and so um, really enjoyed that, and love the folks over at Drilling Info. So hopefully they get that back up soon. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, I, I look forward to. I, I believe we had somebody that uh, we reached out to there that may be coming on the show at some point. Is that is that right, Ryan? Yeah, I think so, Josh. I think we got someone from Drilling Info coming on after after the the new year. So hopefully, uh, we can get that pinned down, and uh, and you know, should be interesting to see what they have to say because, you know, they are they've if you if you're familiar with Drilling Info, then I won't kind of this might be you know, redundant information, but they've really expanded their portfolio of services, and I wasn't really aware that they had gotten into this. You know, they they have services for day traders now and all kinds of stuff. So it's really fascinating what they have going on there and um, and where they're going. Well, we have a special guest coming on today, Trent Jacobs. He's a senior scout and researcher with Darcy Partners. Trent, what's up, buddy? How's it going? Hey, it's going good. Thanks for having me. Awesome, Trent. Well, we have a few things we want to discuss with you. I have uh, I have an article that I was reading that you wrote back in November uh, about frack hits and uh, reveal well space. It may be too tight. So we want to get into that in a little while. Before we do... Um, 
there's a, a couple of things that we wanted to run over with you. You were, had some information, I believe, on big data analytics that we wanted to discuss a little bit. So uh, what do you have for us today, Trent? Yeah, well, in my new role, you know, working uh, as a technology scout and researcher, you know, we've been working on uh, sort of the, the identifying the vendor landscape for the uh, EMP community on uh, big data solutions, which uh, isn't a term we use so much anymore. Now it's kind of shifted to advanced analytics and machine learning. And, and uh, we've been able to get sort of a, a good picture of where the industry is. And, and I would say that, you know, one thing that um, your listeners you know, might appreciate is that uh, at this point in time, it's, it's pretty safe to say that, that most uh, oil and gas companies of, of a, a certain size have, have invested in these technologies. Uh, but it's very early, um, and so uh, people are walking before they can run with uh, analytical models that can tell them when a pump is going to fail, for instance. It's probably the most common uh, use case that we hear about. But they're also looking at other things like um, how they can uh, turn their well file systems into uh, searchable databases like Google. I think people uh, that have worked in um, that side of the, the office uh, in an oil and gas company know that you can't just click on a well file and get all the data that's attached to it. Uh, and moreover, you can't just uh, start making inferences um, on all the data to see what completion designs are, are truly working the best. But um, a number of front running companies have, uh, have moved into that area and uh, are going to get a lot smarter and uh, will truly be data driven as they start to uh, drill into new locations and, uh, and pick the frack designs that they think will optimally uh, drain the reservoirs. Yeah, Trent, one of the questions I have about when you talk about, you know, I, I call it big data still. I know there's kind of a new term, but when you, when you look at this is how much do you think, in your opinion, now that you deal with this a little bit more, is driven by the low prices we've seen? You know, so if I were to ask like this, you know, if we were still at 100 or old, do you think these companies would have invested the time and energy to use this technology? Or is this one of the benefits of going through a downturn? Yeah, I think that uh, for a certain segment of, of EMPs that they would definitely still be making investments. But I think across the board, the downturn has accelerated those efforts. So I think uh, <clears throat> an analogy that people can look to is what happened uh, to Wall Street uh, just about 10 years ago, um, I guess this month, and uh, with the, the financial crash. And, and uh, Wall Street uh, learned how to, how to operate with fewer heads. And a lot of that was uh, driven by digital technologies and the financial industry is now a front runner in adopting these. And I think oil and gas is is behind, but it's also got very unique problems. Um, But there's no doubt that uh, that the the downturn has accelerated the need to become um, more uh, smart about what people do with data. Uh, And a big part of that is acquiring the data, which uh, is is no small feat. Um, There's a lot of unconnected assets out there and choosing which ones to connect and what you do after that. That's a, that's a very big decision for these guys. Um, but I can give you an example of something that I think is very opportune for the time that oil and gas is living in now, which is uh, putting cameras and, and audio equipment on a wellhead and then coupling that with sort of a enterprise level, um, you know, uh, analytics platform that can optimize uh, your pumper fleets or your field operator uh, fleets and Whereas still to this day, there are people driving around in F-150s looking at every um, well pad uh, in a field. Uh, there, are other, there are other companies now who are doing this um, via the computer. And so if, if there is a problem on a well, uh, they can just log in and see it on their phone or on a desktop 
and then decide where they go. And then on top of that, uh, the analytics platform can tell them, well, you know, Bob is, is worked on that well three times and he's the most qualified person and he's only half an hour away. So why, why don't he go? Um, and that's the kind of smart, efficient uh, field level operations that are just now emerging. The companies are starting to use those technologies. And I think that in a few years, uh, we'll see widespread adoption. And what this will allow is companies to grow their asset base, essentially drill, complete and produce more wells. Uh, without having to grow uh, the number of people that they need to go operate those wells in the field or buy more F-150s so that they can drive out there. Yeah. Okay. So I've got uh, one of the things on the show we talk about a lot is we try to give our listeners, you know, you know, if they're business owners or if they're in the field, you know, how to get a job. And sometimes people get scared when they hear what you just said. Now, I, I don't. I think that what you said is good for the industry. And I use an analogy like this. Before we had airports, you know, th- those jobs didn't exist. And so when the plane came around, it took away jobs from certain industries, but it created new jobs that we didn't foresee. So for our listeners who might be out there on the rig or might be working for an oil and gas company, they might hear what you say and go, oh, wow, that's that's scary. I might lose a job because we can computer animate everything. Um what would be some of the things that you might give to someone who is in a job right now and they're looking at it and they're going, okay, wow, an automated rig might replace me or uh, uh, this technology might replace me. How can they work through, is it, uh, is it education? Is it going to maybe a startup? What would be some of the things that you would advise them to work through so that they can secure a job in this industry as we become more you know, tech savvy? Yeah, no, that's, that's an important um, topic. And I, and I think uh, you know, my advice would be um, for people to embrace the technology. Um, so uh, there are edicts coming from the executive level that these uh, new technologies need to be implemented and they need to start driving revenue. So uh, as was put to me recently, playtime is over. You know, advanced analytics, uh, Internet of Things, IoT, uh, these need to start delivering dollars. And, and so um, the decisions have been made with most uh, operators. And so my advice is to not stand in the way of these uh, these advances, but embrace them, become the guy in the company that knows how to operate the analytics platform. And there are uh, sort of two levels to what's going on. There's a, there's a data science level where these companies have internal teams that they're building out uh, continuously uh, with uh, data scientists who can manipulate the data into meaningful things. And they're working on, you know, a certain number of projects, uh, but there's going to be data science tools that are going to get commoditized. And we're already seeing this happen right now. Uh, Some people term it data science in a box. The end user of that is going to be a process engineer or a production engineer, uh, or in that last example, the field operator. So the the, the solution to uh, um, uh, the disruption is to become part of the disruption and uh, we'll see how this all pans out. But I think that people need to keep in mind that um, technology, you know, uh, always finds a way into the user's hands and that the people who understand how to use it are probably going to be the winners, uh, whether that's uh, from the field level to the, you know, the central office, the HQ. Well, Trent, uh, moving over to our article, you wrote an article back in November uh about a conference that you attended, Unconventional Resources Technology Conference in Austin. And uh, in the article, you talk about frack hits and fra- uh, spacing some of these wells, and you use uh, some numbers just to kind of give some perspective. You said if, uh, if a company had 2,640-acre drilling sections and they added one well to each one and they were $5 million a piece, it would cost a company 
ten billion dollars. Um, and you know, looking at looking at spacing these whales, that's that's some big numbers. And uh, we wanted to kind of talk to you about. Uh, how that might affect industry next year. And we also, before we jump into it, wanted to get your take. Uh, some of our listeners may not know what a, what a frack hit is. So could you take a, take just a moment, tell us what a frack hit is, talk about some of this well spacing and how it might be important for for the industry uh, you know, in the next year or two. Yeah, sure. And just to put a finer point on the context of that example, you know, if you drilled 2,000, uh, uh, 640 acre drilling sections, uh, for, and each well was averaging about $5 million and you added a single unneeded well, then, then yeah, you spent $10, million, $10 billion, excuse me, uh, that, you, that you may have not needed to. Um, and further than that, uh, uh, maybe that extra well per section was causing damage to the surrounding wells. So it's sort of a compounding issue. Um, and, and the damage, uh, of course, is, is caused through a frack hit. Uh, and the simplest way to describe a frack hit is essentially you have um, uh, existing wells on a site um, and you frack a new well uh, and its lateral fractures uh, intrude into the either the reservoir drainage area of those adjacent wells or the fluids and sand actually uh, hit that the adjacent well bores and may go inside of it and uh, and the worst case scenario is that you will sand in one of those wells uh, uh, with fluid and water and, and that's sort of called the full boat. You know, that's that's a uh, some people call that, uh, uh, you know, bashing, well bashing. And and so there's different degrees of the frack hit and uh, they range from a barely noticeable uh, low impact on estimated ultimate recovery rates. And then uh, and then they go all the way to actually killing an adjacent well. And we've seen uh, cases of that. Um, and particularly there's been some cases where horizontal well uh, fracture job uh, hit um, vertical wells and uh, causing some major damage, even surface blowouts. Those are those are the rare cases, but there have been a number of lawsuits that have sort of brought this uh, question uh, or this this uh, situation to the surface. And as the wells get closer, obviously uh, the frac the the risk of uh, you know hitting another well with a fracture uh, also goes up. Um, so one of the questions I have is when you look at stuff like you're talking about here, you know, inside the oil and gas industry, we, we all know everybody's super secretive. Um, when you did this report and you did this study, you know, how long did it kind of take for you to decipher through this information? And if we go back to our conversation just a few minutes ago, we talked about, you know, big data analytics. Is this something that as the industry begins to adopt, as you've mentioned, that we think that we can prevent moving forward? Or is it going to be a situation where we have to say, you know what, we still are going to have to share this information to be able to use it um, to, to prevent problems like these? Yeah, so with respect to your first question, I mean, my first article, I think I wrote uh, in March or April of, of 2017, um, I had uh, come across the fracted issue in different stories uh, for the Journal of Petroleum Technology uh, over the last few years. But, but I really uh, was able to find enough people willing to sort of uh, talk about the subject early uh, in this year. And, and the point I kind of wanted to drive home in that story was that uh, it's a very common problem. Um, almost, you know, every operator uh, has encountered this issue. And, uh, and to, to, in the early days, uh, everyone had a different way of approaching it. Uh, so one of the first things people did was kind of call off said operators. But, but they're, you know, and say, hey, we're going to do a frag job. You know, just be aware if you want to take any mitigation efforts, uh, uh, you know, it's going to go down at, at noon tomorrow. And, and I think that uh, that's, that sort of encapsulates 
the uh, the strategy that, that the industry has built up, which is a mitigation effort, um, including you know taking out tubing and and uh, full decompletions as they're termed, and their their six figure operations to pull out uh, tubing and artificial lift systems from a a well that may be negatively impacted. And what we're all talking about frac kits for is because they, in most cases, the majority of cases have been, you know, explained to me is that they are bad news for production. And uh, uh, if you've been in the industry long enough, you know, lost production doesn't doesn't generally come back, right? And so it's it's lost it's lost oil forever. And you can lose conductive fractures. Uh, you can get all sorts of problems. Um, and so we've seen, you know, Schlumberger in this most recent story. Uh, did a 300 well survey and found that child wells in these uh, uh, in an area of the Delaware Basin were coming in with 30 less 30 uh, percent less production than their parent wells, and that suggests you know a few things, but one of them is that you know we're fracturing into depleted reservoir zones, uh, which isn't good for a couple of reasons. First, you you may have uh, sort of spent a lot of money on fracking into an area that doesn't have a lot of oil or gas, and then secondly. If you frack into these depleted zones, which some people call pressure sinks, they actually attract the fractures, uh, and uh, you know, you know, will in, will induce a frack hit, frack hit because they become like a sort of a path of least resistance, and and so all of this is to say that you know this is a production issue, and and if people are getting too close uh, to each other, they need to figure out a way to properly space out, and people are talking about this at this point because they need to learn from each other. And also people are wrapping their minds around the problem. They're getting smarter about it. Uh, they're doing a lot more modeling efforts um, and they're trying to look for ways to mitigate it. Um, but we haven't seen a lot of ways that are working. We've seen some post-mortem uh, you know, uh, methods of finding out which well impacted another. And, uh, but again, that doesn't stop the frack hit in the first place. And so there, there's some different theories coming out, but I haven't seen much in practice. One of them is, you know, people are using three times as much water and sand as they were just a few years ago. That's a rough estimate, but it's, it's generally true. And they, they maybe need to use a, a lower amount of water, dial back the water volume, use the same amount of sand, and maybe uh, find a way to use more friction reducer to get the sand into the fractures uh, in a more contained uh, area around that well bore versus having these very, very long uh, fractures that will hit a well half a mile away, um, which is which is not unheard of. There's been frac hits as far as a mile away uh, in certain areas. So so a lot of it comes down to understanding the, the uh, subsurface, the geomechanics, and also maybe tweaking these uh, frac recipes. Um, and, and to your other question about big data, how can this help? I mean, it, it, there's no doubt that you know, we can look at statistical trends and uh, those kind of things to figure this out. But you're 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 going to have to start experimenting in the field with with different uh, mitigation efforts first, and I think that's going to be key. Okay, so one final question on this, and we're going to let you kind of plug and promote your stuff before we get you out of here today. Is you know we we've talked on the show that we we're really excited about the first half of 2018. We feel that you know there's, we're going to see a big uptick in what producers are doing. The prices are nice; they're going to be perfect for the first half. Um, the budget should be in place. Um, with this, you know, with all of this said, is this the perfect storm to kind of you know you've laid out the problem? And you said we don't really have a solution. Will we see a lot more headlines describing this problem if we see a mass increase in drilling like we're expecting for the first half of 2018? 
Yeah, I, I think that um, it's going to become a bigger issue. Um, uh, you know, you know, one thing that that I think a lot of people are aware of is that Wall Street is, you know, in large part, you know, uh, funding the shale revolution as we know it, right? And so um, investors are are becoming smarter about um, the nuances of shale development as they, you know, invest year after year in these companies and these producers. And so questions are going to come up. Um, but as I pointed out in that story, the one of the most interesting things that I found or heard was that Statoil was uh, looking at its Eagleford assets and they and their modeling and their their real world experiences showed them that their spacing was too tight. It was 250, 250 feet. So I think there's going to be a lot more drilling. I think uh, companies have maybe uh, overestimated how many wells they can put per section. And that may be a, a reckoning that they have to come to terms with. And maybe we look at um, fewer fewer wells per section in order to um, ma truly maximize uh, the recovery rates. And so uh, if they can do that, the good news is they don't have to drill that extra well that we talked about and they don't harm as many of the producing wells. And so if they can get smarter through modeling efforts, through uh, data analytics and just uh, iterations in the field, uh, I think that the, the the industry can get a handle on this, though I do not think you're ever going to prevent uh, all the frack hits. Uh, and uh, there's even evidence to suggest that, you know, you just want the frack hits to just barely touch each other, just have tip to tip sort of overlap. And, and if they can uh, toggle the dials, uh, you know, with, with some level of precision and get those optimal uh, frack lengths and minimal negative impacts, uh, I think that uh, people are going to be uh, uh, a lot happier, but it's going to probably take a few years. This is not going to be something that people are going to figure out in the next six months. Well, I think we could probably do another 30 minutes just kind of breaking uh, down some of the implications on I can see on this. But I know we're up against the clock. I want to give you a chance to promote um, Darcy Partners where you're at now. You wrote the article when you were back um, with, with, the, with the publication back then. But you're with Darcy Partners now, give the listeners just a quick kind of overview of what you guys do, what you have going on there, and where they can find you at before we let you go today. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I, I spent four and a half years uh, with the Society of Petroleum Engineers working as a writer and editor of uh, Journal Petroleum Technology, where I got to uh, meet and be exposed with a lot of innovators and, uh, and, and new emerging technologies. And now I'm doing uh, something similar with Darcy Partners, which is a two and a half year old startup uh, here in Houston. And we serve uh, a group of uh, 25 EMPs as a lead technology scout on, on new, new technologies that solve uh, pretty important problems for these folks. And, uh, and there's a heavy focus on, on shale development technologies and, uh, um, and we're a pretty unique company in the way we work. So uh, to learn more about us, uh, I you know, encourage everybody to visit DarcyPartners.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, people want to look me up there. Uh, happy to uh, meet and talk with new people on LinkedIn as well. So uh, we're not we're not too hard to find, and we're always looking for new ideas and, and new entrepreneurs if they're listening. Okay, great. Well, Trent, thank you so, for, so much for coming on. We look to having you on hopefully again in the future to talk about this and what you guys have going on. Darcy, I'm sure you're meeting a lot of interesting people. And to the listeners, be sure to thank our sponsor by going to globalenergymedia.com slash oil101. We'll link to that in the show notes where you can get your uh, sign up to get your 10 module course from EKT Interactive. And until next time, keep climbing. Mm -hmm.